Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Kristen Nagopian Show. Shout-outs from everybody here in Studio B as we connect with our syndicated stations coast-to-coast via the BizTalk Radio Network. Greetings to you all. I'm Chris Agopian, author of Brilliant Frugal Living, syndicated lifestyle columnist, highly caffeinated host of your show, raising my mug of, what do we have today? Creme brulee. Oh, it's mighty fine. Dedicated to slashing your spending, growing your savings to new previously unthought of heights, and demolishing your debt. Thanks for hanging out. A huge welcome to all of our newest affiliates, all of our listeners. The emails are fabulous. And I got to give a big shout out, guys. We record the show a little earlier in the week. South Carolina, North Carolina, all of the southeastern, you know, the the lower southeast. And holy mackerel, it's, uh, it's going to be a real whopper. Please know that we're thinking of you. We're praying for you. If you guys get a chance to check in, if you have family that you know down there, let us know how you're doing. Find us online, brilliantfrugalliving.com. Give us the latest. Know that we are all pulling for you and made this storm pass with the minimal, minimal damage. The guys there in the southeast, some of the toughest on earth. But, heck, nobody wants a hurricane to pass over. So just know that we're thinking about you. We hope you're okay, and we would love for you guys to check in. Emails all over the place, dozens upon dozens after last week's show. Uh, Hats off to all of them. Thank you so much. I wake up in the morning, and I see these emails, and it's just tremendous camaraderie. I love it. We are in this to win it when it comes to the frugal fight. And huge shout-out, as always, every week, you know who you are. Mitchell Meeks and Linda E., super fans listening in from Super Talk Mississippi, saving America's wallets one hour at a time. Sitting here with my previously mentioned creme brulee coffee in hand. Man, this stuff is good. Tony says hello with this green tea. Cheers. As we tackle today's trendy topics, and if you're not drinking coffee or, you know, green tea at the moment, that's okay. We will do enough for all of you because that's just the type of team players we are. Last week... I was nearly giddy talking about deep cleaning these carpets. It sounds so lame. It sounds so nutty. But I'm telling you right now, you know, first of all, how much I love a good, well-done home improvement project, right? You're thinking about something that needs to get freshened up. You're not crazy about how much space you have. Maybe you're thinking about moving stuff around. Get your hands on one of these deep carpet cleaners. I don't care how dedicated you are to just wonderful vacuuming each week, or maybe you've got the hardwood floors, you sweep, you do whatever, do a serious floor cleaning on here. Invest in one of these deep cleaners is my advice. Honestly, it will pay for itself within just a few months. It's fantastic. And when I put the word out about this, I got so many great, oh my gosh, you guys are the best. But we're talking about home improvement projects that freshen things up, make things newer, make things, you know, just looking better, feeling better, you know, a higher value, a higher price tag to it. And I started thinking about another huge project we're doing, which is decluttering. And I'm telling you guys right now, I am addicted to this new movement. And I got to be honest with you. You see these shows out there about the hoarders and everything else going on. We all might even know a hoarder. I am not a hoarder. However, I am a low-grade pack rat. I'm not really famous for getting rid of a lot of stuff. If things are clearly past their usefulness, they can maybe go to someone else. They can use it more. I have donated tons of stuff. Could literally be tons. I mean, a ton is 2,000 pounds. I could have literally donated tons of stuff to Goodwill by now. But I still hold on to a heck of a lot of crap. Now, the good news slash bad news is is that I married a man uh, over 20 years ago, bless his heart, that is also my level of minor league 
pack rat, okay? So, which is better than having someone who is over your shoulder all the time, throw that out, throw that out, throw that out. I've never said that to him. He's never said that to me, which is nice. It's good news. The bad news is we never threw anything out. I mean, we really did not throw a lot of stuff out. We have now engaged in a, again, to use the phrase, low-level purge. Holy crap. The square footage we have added to our home, the open spaces that we have added to our residence between that and the deep carpet cleaning, it is phenomenal. So we're talking about a fall house cleaning. And I want you guys to think about this. I know how crazy hard you work. I want your free time to be used in ways that benefit you body, mind, and soul. And I'm here to tell you, I am just a grade-A regular human being. And the, the incredible peace of mind and fun and self-satisfaction, which we all love to have these days, God knows I do. And I say this freely. We like to feel a little satisfied with our efforts. You go and do a deep carpet cleaning on your carpets and you do a minor purge, couple of loads of car loads worth of stuff to your local Goodwill, or your Habitat for Humanity or whatever your best, you know, your favorite charity is, you will feel reborn. So I put the word out about this last week. I'm getting all kinds of stuff back. And here is the best decluttering advice literally that I've ever heard. And this stuff, it cracks me up. I'm laughing back and forth, (laughs) going back and forth to some of these people. It is hilarious what some of these people do. And the phrase that I'm going to keep bringing up that I saw this online, trash bag tango. You're going to go through your house and do a trash bag tango. What do you put in? What do you leave out? Here's where we go over it. Number one, this advice is so good, guys. This is so spot on. Know your clutter personality. We all have clutter, all right? The hoarders are way there in the pseudo-crazy clutter you know, category. We are not there, you and I, all right? But we do have clutter. My God, look at my junk drawer in my kitchen back home. Holy crap, I've got unbelievable stuff there. I'm never getting rid of it. I got to be honest with you. I'm never going through the clutter drawer, never going through the kitchen drawer that way. But there's a lot of other stuff I'm going through, and it feels dang good. In order for you guys to maintain a clutter-free home, here's the biggest thing. You need to get to the root of why things pile up in the first place. And here's three different categories. They say you're supposed to fit yourself into one. I basically fit into all three. Number one, you're too busy, which equals, you know, too many extras. You buy these items you already own because you don't have a system in place for where to store them or, you know, when you need to find things fast. The time to search through all the possible storage spots is just impossible. So you buy too many things. You have too many things because you didn't know you had them in the first place. You know, we have extra pillows in our house, tons of toilet paper in our house. Do we need some? Oh, my God, buy some just to make sure. You know, I've gone through the kids' clothes and realized I already had a winter coat that's going to fit him this year, but now I got an extra one that's the kind of day-to-day activities where suddenly I got too many extras and I got a purge next thing this is so me this is so me you guys for better or for worse if you are a constant warrior thinking you got to save everything you're concerned that you might need something in the future so you save everything just in case you know you've got rain boots for your kids or your grandkids that no longer fit and you're thinking well maybe some other kid will come along in your life a neighbor kid or maybe you'll save it and you'll put it together in some big bag of stuff for goodwill later on that's the kind of thing that I have in my house as well I'm pretty darn well organized I've got a pretty decently organized life but I still have items like that in my house okay here's another one that I gotta admit I kind of fall into it's called the overwhelmed in life equals overwhelmed at home now I am not overwhelmed I'm really not kind of queued up once in a while trying to get my to-do list done. 
but I never feel overwhelmed. I do know people, however, that use that phrase overwhelmed. I just feel overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed. You know, I feel bad for people who feel overwhelmed. You are capable. You're strong. You are organized. You just got to harness the horses and put them to work. These people who feel overwhelmed, you don't know where to begin with your decluttering. So you just live with the chaos. You shove it into another closet. There are people I've connected with who have entire rooms dedicated to their clutter. They know some people are coming over. It feels last minute. You're working, working, working. You don't have time to do this, you know, the strong cleaning you want to. So they put all of the clutter, not just in its own closet, but they put it in their own room. There is a clutter room. There's a bedroom. There's a bathroom. There's a den. There's a kitchen. There's a basement. There's the kids' rooms. There's other stuff. And there's the clutter room. Like literally it's a permanent guest. So it has its own room. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. So if you've got that kind of room going on, you're not alone. We've got pretty good-sized closets downstairs in our home. i got to be honest with you. One of them, stuffed full of coats. Coats for a family of four, for God's sake. But here's what you do. And we got about, what do we have? Two minutes. Great. Before the next break. Ask yourself these three questions when you're going through your belongings. And there's a couple of different rooms we're starting with because I highly recommend it. The first step to a clutter cure is to write down your favorite pack rat phrases, all right? This person's saying her client's top three are, I have to still go through those, someone could use that, and, but I need it. Here's the thing, you don't. I need you to go, first of all, go to the room that's driving you the most nuts, all right? If it's the basement, that might feel a little overwhelming. Go to like a second most cluttered up room. Maybe it's a big closet you'd love to free up. Maybe it's a part of your room you'd love to free up. Get out, not just one bag. Do not bring one bag upstairs with you or you will be highly, you'll be back downstairs for another one. Grab the box of trash bags. Bring it with you. You are in this to win it. Go to your closet. Start with your stuff. You're not going to want to go through your kid's stuff because that feels a little bit like, I want to you know, save it. Go through your stuff. Time to be fearless and heartless. Go through your drawers. Go through your closet. If you have not worn it in a year, and it's not something important like, you know, your old prom dress or a wedding dress or, or you know, a suit or your favorite suit that you got married in or whatever else. Get yourself a garbage bag and fill it with everything that you have not worn in a year. Everything. Shoes that you have not worn in a year. Everything you have not worn in a year. Then go through your drawers, guys. The jeans you haven't worn in a year. Keep one pair of ratty jeans for your around-the-house projects. Throw everything else in this bag. You are going to, in just one room's time, free up a whole bunch of square footage you didn't even know you had. Look around at the furniture. If you have not sat in that piece of furniture for over a year, you're getting rid of that, too. You get the point. Guys, hang out for a minute. More after the break, including some of the experts' best advice for decluttering your home and freeing up your space. You all stay tuned. And we are back with the Kristen Agopian Show. And this subject matter is very near and dear to my heart. I've really been looking forward to our next guests because migraine is the second leading cause of disability in the world. We all know someone who has it, maybe a family member or a friend, maybe a coworker. 
I myself haven't been struck with it, knock wood, but I know so many good people who have. And I'm here today with Dr. Merle Diamond, President and Medical Director of the Diamond Headache Clinics. They're doing such important work, as well as Jennifer Tardy, inclusive recruiting expert and career coach. Who better to join us to discuss the impact of migraine in the workplace, how to navigate it as smoothly as possible, and ways to make workplaces more migraine-friendly? Jennifer, Dr. Diamond, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. This is something that impacts so many of our listeners. Talk to them just a bit about maybe the actual definition of migraine, you know, maybe some of its symptoms. How can people tell if it's perhaps air quotes just a headache or if it's traded up to a migraine and should be treated differently? Right. Well, you're not supposed to have headache as a symptom in general. Uh, So knowing what kind of headache you have is important. But migraine is a complex neurologic disease that causes significant disability. About 40 million Americans have migraine. It preferentially impacts women over men, and it is genetic. So again, we can usually look into families to see what that looks like. And it's often misunderstood, which is why we've partnered, Jen and I have partnered with Advi to talk about what happens to the migraineur in the workplace. And I'm writing notes as we're talking here. Those numbers are unbelievable, the tens of millions of Americans that suffer from migraine, and they do it so quietly. You know, when I've got something wrong, the world knows it, but I think I'm in the minority. I think a lot of people are just suffering silently with this kind of thing, and I wish they'd come out more, you know, and just sort of share their experiences because they're suffering in silence. Jennifer, over to you if I could. Your research was very interesting. It was a real deep dive into the effects of migraine on the workplace. Like the workplace hasn't had enough meteor hits lately, you know, in the last two years with COVID and everything else. And the significant impact of migraine that goes further than what we might have thought. You know, talk to us a bit about your research and perhaps your most surprising findings. So I do want to say that Advi sponsored this research about working through migraine. So the research connected with 1,000 people ages 18 plus in the U.S. And here are some of the key findings that came out of the survey. First is that 78% of those who responded mentioned that they experienced presenteeism, which means that they're present in the workplace, yet when a migraine attack happens, they become less productive. And 66% even mentioned, feels like there's this stigma attached when they experience a migraine attack and they need some time off. So to ask for that time off, it feels like it's a little stigmatized. And then 74% said that it's difficult to manage the migraine while they're at work. And even one in four people said that they actually have to make long-term adjustments to their career and to their career path overall. And you had mentioned something a little bit earlier too, that I just wanted to sort of use this moment to place into context. And so when we look at the window during which people experience migraines at its peak is ages 25 to 55, which is also the most productive working period for adults. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. And again, I'm taking notes as we're talking here because this is something where the information is just so fluid. There are so many good people like you both that are doing so much research into this. Which brings me to my next question. Dr. Diamond, back to you. Now, I'm in my 50s. And I knew people when I was back in high school, you know, certainly back in college, fighting migraine. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions for various family trees that have a history of migraine, they think the treatments from 20 years ago or 50 years ago are still the treatments we're using today, even 10 years ago, when in fact, treating migraine has absolutely, in my opinion, 
leapt forward by light years, you know, including research on even preventing them in the first place. You know, what's been the latest research on that? You bring up a really important point. Today, we have medications actually developed for the thing that's happening during a migraine attack, and we just hadn't identified it before several years ago. Currently, our preventive treatment has really changed a lot. For example, there's Qlipta, which is indicated for episodic migraine. That means less than 15 days of headache per month in adults. It's a once-a-day pill, which makes it super easy. It reduces the frequency as well as the disability associated with migraine by up to 50% in some of our patients, so that's huge. It can cause some constipation, sometimes some nausea, sometimes some fatigue, but to have a therapy that you can make a plan in your day and know that you have good treatment available to you has really been life-altering for patients. Uh, Jennifer, one thing I wanted to make sure we got to. There was a fascinating in-depth research done by the Harris Poll Survey working through migraine. Talk to us a bit about some of the key findings that stood out in that poll to you, if you would. What were you expecting to see and maybe perhaps what surprised you? Absolutely. So some additional key findings that we were able to uncover. This is a $19.3 billion challenge, right? And so in 81% of it attributed to absenteeism. And so when people are experiencing migraines, that they need to have some time away. I've already mentioned the stigma, how 66% of people feel that there's a stigma attached. But even as we begin thinking about how 87% of the respondents said that they wish that they could reduce the number of attacks overall. And so, yeah, these are some of the things that we've been seeing overall. Another big piece that came out of it that the question was asked, well, what sort of accommodations would you need or request if, in order for you to look at your workplace as migraine friendly? And there were a few things that came out of the survey. One is soft lighting. Another is designated quiet areas. And um, another is paid time off or just paid sick leave or just time off in general. And so those are some of the additional key findings that we were able to uncover. That is interesting. And you know what? That's the kind of thing where it doesn't cost a lot of money to accommodate those sort of things. It's not as though we're working in some, you know, crazy, you know, mind-blasting environment where the sound's going to be outrageous. I mean, it's not it's not like they're asking for stuff that's just really crazy. That seems like something that's very reasonable and manageable to do, and if it increases productivity, all the better. I'm all in favor of that. Mm-hmm. Dr. Diamond, there are so many people out there listening to you. They know people who can so benefit from this new information. Where do we send them to learn some more on this? We send them to qlipta.com or 1-855-QLIPTA, and they can get a whole bunch more information. You know, information is power, and that's a big thing. It certainly is. And again, we'll put a we'll put a link to all of our social media, too, but that's QLIPTA, if I have it correctly here. That's Q-U-L-I-P-T-A dot com. Get on there. Find out more information. And we've got about one more minute left. I wanted to make sure we got this. Where do you both see this incredible research going, say, in the next five years? You know, if you would have said five years ago, that you'd have this kind of amazing breakthroughs in 2022, people probably wouldn't believe it. And we're just moving light years ahead. Where do you see this going in the next five years or so for the next breakthroughs in migraine management? Well, there are so many new things under development. And I think it's so important because migraine patients have been stigmatized for so many years because, you know, quote unquote, you look okay. This is a disease that really is a time robber. 
And so having effective therapies can really change a patient's life. It's true. Time robber is the exact word for it. Dr. Diamond, Jennifer Tardy, thank you so much for taking the time. I knew the time would fly. You've got an open mic anytime. Please join us again. Thanks. Thank you. You bet. And we'll be right back, gang, right after this. are back with the Kristen Agopian show and I've been looking so forward to our next guest because this next topic is a passion and a goal of mine and my husband's for some time Hawaii has always been a favorite vacation destination everybody I know who has gone and come back from all walks of life all stripes all generations they go they come back and they rave about it there's nowhere like it on earth But did you know that some of the best life-changing adventures are not found in any Hawaii guidebook? We all have the ideas of what we'd love to go see. There is so much more behind the scenes. And my next guest, John DeFries, was born and raised in Waikiki and is the president and CEO of the Hawaii Tourism Authority. He is joining us via our newsmaker line to not only share some of Hawaii's hidden treasures, but their initiatives to protect them for generations to come. John, welcome. Well, thank you for having me, Kristen. It's uh, wonderful to join you. It is so good to have you here. And I've been looking so forward to this. Now, John, I'm going to be honest. My personal knowledge of the beautiful islands of Hawaii is limited to what friends and coworkers have shared. And that and Brady Bunch reruns when they were there a while back. So talk to me a bit about how the beaches and the tourism and the visitor attractions has evolved in the years since. You've had to endure so much. We've had COVID, and that was something nobody anticipated. Talk to me about how Hawaii has evolved and rolled with the punches with this. You're coming out stronger than ever. Well, you know, two and a half years of managing a global pandemic, we can now feel the optimism back in the system, and visitors are eager to return, undoubtedly among them your listeners. But I want them to know that beyond the beautiful beaches, We now have programs that will allow them to engage directly with the caring people of our community. I'm referring to our volunteerism opportunities that we refer to as Malama Hawaii. Malama is the Hawaiian word for nurturing, protecting, and taking care of. And this enables the visitor to programmatically engage directly with caring residents of our islands. That's something that really grabbed my attention. That's something I previously didn't know about. You know, this is wildly popular program you just touched on. You have these volunteer adventures and activities that people are absolutely loving. They come in, they learn about the natural resources, the Hawaiian culture, the community. It's really a a hands-on way to become part of the culture there. I love how that's evolved. Tell us a little bit more about that, if you would. Oh, absolutely. You know, when... We ended calendar year 2019 with a record number of visitors, 10,400,000, only to have six months later, July of 2020, to have near zero, right? All of the restrictions were there. And in that restricted environment, what we began to notice was how the natural environment was beginning to heal itself because of the, the reduced amount of human activity, both from local residents as well as visitors. This gave us an opening to now take a look at how do we 
achieve a new balance in our tourism industry, and this program is helping us take a step in that direction. I want you to imagine hiking into a native forest where ongoing reforestation programs are, are now at work, enabling the visitor to participate with experts in that field. Take a walk along our coastline where our marine life and wildlife are in fragile states in need of protection and care. And now we have programs that will enable the visitor to walk and share time and learn from experts in that field. And another one that will, I know will be of interest to your listeners has to do with the iconic battleship USS Missouri, which is at Pearl Harbor. And today there are restoration efforts that allow local residents here as well as visitors to help in that restorative effort. Quite a bit going on beyond our sand, surf, Mai Tais. You're touching on so many important points, and one of the biggest takeaways I'm getting right now is that for all that Hawaii has to offer, one of its biggest things that it offers is something for every single demographic, every age group. You talk about these wonderful getaways, you know, the nature getaways, which I know my kids would adore. They're both teenagers. And you've got, I've got people in my family tree who one of their top 10 things they want to do, this is a generation older than me, is make it to Pearl Harbor to pay homage to people that they actually knew who fought in World War II and people who were stationed at Pearl Harbor on uh, when Pearl Harbor happened back in December 1941. So between that, you've got so much for everybody. That's not something that every state in the union can claim. Hawaii is uniquely incredibly gifted at finding something that everybody enjoys. You must hear that kind of feedback all the time. You know, Kristen, I'll tell you that something dynamic happened during the pandemic. We started to look at our way of life differently. We started to look at our own personal lives differently, right? The care of our our own being, the care of our family, our children, our communities. And that caring has got to continue to be nurtured. And these programs, how do you bring major industry together with the challenges that a community, a fragile community faces so that we can achieve together a new balance? And part of that balance is a vibrant economy. And the visitor industry provides that, and we're intent at the Hawaii Tourism Authority with leading that effort to establish, identify, and maintain a balance that will give you, the visitor, a memorable experience and at the same time engage the support of our local community. We all know, and I've heard this firsthand from people who came back from your beautiful island, the food is amazing and the popular Hawaii destinations. I know people who have taken helicopter rides around the island. That's braver than I'm ready to do. And, of course, there's the memorials of Pearl Harbor that we just touched on, so many important places to visit. But it's so much more than beaches and visitor attractions. Talk to me a bit more about what you're finding to be as we everything reopens again. What are they getting back to you at? It's like new and kind of previously undiscovered favorites. They come back saying, oh, my gosh, I had no idea Hawaii had this. This was amazing. What are you finding people are getting back to you at as the, unde- you know, the unexpected pleasures of Hawaii? You know, what we're finding is an increased pattern of people who seek more meaning in their visitor experience. The the vacation to Hawaii is an investment you make in yourself, an investment you make in your family, and part of that return has to be a deeper sense of connection with the destination you're visiting. And we're beginning to see that. We see the market demanding more authenticity. And I don't care where you are in the world, there are only two places you can 
find authenticity. One is the community, and one is in the host culture. In this case, the Hawaiian culture, which has a set of values that are embedded in the programs that we are now talking about. And so this is all, I have to admit, that part of this shift is happening because the market increasingly is going to demand it. Oh, you're right. And as we, as you mentioned, you know, we're clawing our way out of COVID. And if there's one thing that universally every age group is starting to embrace more, it's a vacation venue or just a getaway venue that's more outdoorsy. You know, there's more fresh air. There's more time on a balcony. There's more time year round to walk around in beautiful temperatures that you're comfortable in. And there's no other state in the union better equipped for those kind of parameters than Hawaii. And it's just wonderful to see. And people are really starting to travel again. What are some of the important things visitors, maybe first time visitors need to know, or maybe as they return to Hawaii or, you know, again, visited for the first time, what's some of the insider info that you recommend to make their trip even better. There's still some hiccups with travel, and that's here going Philadelphia to New York. I mean, that's just everywhere. Getting yourself out to Hawaii, what are some of your insider tips for making it as smooth and cool and calm a trip as you can? You know, I think it starts with preparing well, doing your research. Online, you can go to our gohawaii.com slash Malama website. You'll see the array of opportunities that you and I have been discussing. So I think if the visitor in advance of arriving start to get in their minds what they would like to achieve once they're here in terms of their own experience. These islands are fragile, they're beautiful, and we're encouraging the visitor to join us as a local community in ensuring our natural resources are more vibrant and healthy three generations from now than they are today, that the Hawaiian language and traditional practices of the Hawaiian culture are flourishing to a greater degree three generations from now, and that our multi-ethnic community serves as a model for not only America, but for the entire world. And with that in mind, you know, I can't wait to welcome people from your state. I have to ask you, what's the temperature there? Ah, the temperature here? We are reaching, maybe if we're lucky today, about 65, 70 degrees. It's a little chilly, and it was dang cold this morning when I was getting my kids on the bus. Now it's starting to warm up a little bit. We're doing okay. Do I even want to ask, what's it looking like in gorgeous Hawaii today? (laughs) Well, we're basking in 76 degrees, and we'll probably move to about 82 degrees without a cloud in the sky. So uh, I'll be thinking of you later this morning. Thank you so much. I knew the time would fly. Guys, the website is GoHawaii.com. Get on there. Look around. Plan your trip. The islands are calling. John DeFries, this was fabulous. You've got an open mic anytime. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Aloha, Kristen. Thank you. Aloha, sir. And we'll be right back, gang, right after this. We are back with the Kristen Agopian Show talking about turning your clutter. The stuff you love, you keep that. The stuff you don't love, you declutter it. You put it on eBay. You put it on Craigslist. People are telling me stories with little bank statements to back it up. I love this stuff. They're making, I love this, two grand in a couple of weeks, 
three grand, thirty-two hundred. Somebody made here thirty-seven hundred. Somebody else made here other numbers that I will not disclose. And what I love about this is that not only are they taking that cash, they're not putting it towards some glitzy vacation. One of them bought a used car. One of them paid off credit cards that had been just haunting them for years. And the other one that I love, somebody asked me this. If you were to put this money away, put it somewhere in any kind of a basic, you know, nothing account. You, you put it in there, you forget about it, you get your statements. The average stock market, people are talking about 8% returns. And this includes way back, you know, when it crashed in the 20s, all the way up. Remember Black Friday, you know, um, you know, 87, all the ups, all the downs, the 2009 downturn. That was a mess. Over all the years, the stock market's been in functioning. It's been around 8%. What would happen if you cleared out all the junk in your house that you don't need anymore? You free up all this space. You free up all this time. You put all of these items, old phones, old furniture, old anything, pots and pans and anything else, school supplies people are selling, jewelry, old stuff people are selling. Say you make, okay, I, I'm, I love crunching these numbers. Say you make five grand in a few months' time. That's not unusual. I'm getting stories from people where they're doing more than that. What if you were to put five grand from all these sales into a basic account, put it into the market, basic stuff, no crazy, you know, high risk, whatever, basic returns, 8%. And you left it there. You didn't add a penny to it. You left it there for 20 years. I'm 50. Imagine I put it in there for 20 years. What would that, what would that decluttering cash, that small amount of cash you got, what would that do in 20 years? Want to take a stab at it? Tony's not taking a stab at it. $23,000. How would you like your cluttering and your decluttering to result in cash that you can put into an account and forget about? And 20 years later, you're looking at 25 grand. It's amazing. Guys, it's incredible. Imagine not just that. I love the people who are taking that cash and paying off credit cards. That is an investment that will, oh my gosh, people say that <laughs> they've had, you know, stress headaches for how long because of credit card debt. They pay off this credit card debt and these headaches are gone. Put a price tag on that. I absolutely love it. Now, here's a couple more things because, you know, we might have to do two. Yeah, we might have to do two shows on this. All the money you can make from decluttering. Who is this from? Sachs. Hey, I remember Sachs. Thank you so much for all the notes. He wants to reiterate here, and this is so true, selling different things in different ways to get the best price. He has done this through some, you know, hard experimenting here. You know, he's trial and error, but he has really kind of narrowed down the best way to get the best prices for various things. I love this. Used kids' toys and clothes, and this is absolutely spot-on correct. A lot of people like to use Craigslist for it. I love using Craigslist to find my kids' clothes, and I'm deeply indebted to all those wonderful, highly organized parents out there from which I can buy all these clothes season after season. Another way you can do this Using consignment stores. Consignment stores are picking up big time. And here's the best part about consignment stores. Unless you're a super hot trader or something, don't sell bundles of kids' clothes or small toys on eBay. There's just too much supply is what they're saying. Take it to the consignment stores. It then becomes the consignment store's job to market it, maybe take some pictures, maybe put some stuff online. They are highly motivated to get the best price for it. They do all of the work. And you still get your slice. It's fantastic. Here's another thing. And this is, and this makes a lot of sense. I've heard this more than once. His only hard-earned word of caution when it comes to consignment stores, find one that you have a good rapport with, 
read the terms and conditions about rejected or unsold items and make sure you understand any upfront costs. The most successful consignment stores out there are going to be the ones that work with you. If they don't work with their suppliers, they won't have supply anymore. That being said, make sure you read all of the terms, maybe go online, check out, see if they have any online reviews. It's all good. Next up, Sax is talking again here. He talks also about the cash for old phones. I love this. Here's a couple that he talks about. He talks about declutter, D-E-C-L-U-T-T-R, Gazelle, eBay. He's huge on eBay. And apparently there's a site called Envirophone with Envirophone F for a phone, E-N-V-I-R-O-F-O-N-E. Pays you for old smartphones, old tablets, old laptops. I love it. I love it. Oh, this is huge. Yes, yes. I want to make sure we got to this. Bulk trade CDs, DVDs, and games. All right. I don't have a heck of a lot of those. We don't buy a lot of DVDs or CDs or games, but I know people where I've gone to their homes and they have shelves stacked with all of these games. I my my head whirls to think of what they paid for this stuff. God forbid they paid, you know, retail. There is a huge, huge online marketplace for this stuff. Old CDs and DVDs can take up monster amounts of space that could be far better used and see my earlier notes about maybe enjoying some cash in your pocket rather than all of this clutter in your home. Luckily, no matter how ancient your CDs or DVDs are, you can, and this is according to him, you can make huge money out of them as long as they still play. Now, here's where the sites like Declutter, D-E-C-L-U-T-T-R, make it super easy to sell large collections of CDs and DVDs. You won't make a fortune per item, but for the bigger collections, and honestly, people I know have got these bigger collections. So try it. Love it. Report back to me. I don't have a big supply of you know DVDs or CDs to try this out on. A lot of people do. Let me know how it turns out. His biggest bit of advice, reserve eBay, Amazon, and Craigslist for the biggies. Okay? Now, he sells on eBay, but what he's learned is that even if you're not an expert trader, you can still make decent money from selling high-end branded items on the three big trading sites. Apparently, he's making between 40 and 50% of retail on these essential big on these big ticket items okay a big thing on ebay and i like now see i haven't tried this out but i have heard from other people this works brilliant the expensive toys and when i thought toys i thought kids stuff no apparently this is for you know you know adult toys you know the the fun little games the fun little gadgets the fun little who knows the video games that kind of thing that are more for an adult audience Apparently, they sell great around 40-50% again on eBay. So who knew? I love that. Surplus decorating supplies. I know we're coming up on the hard break here. Decorating supplies. If you've got stuff to sell, old wallpaper, who knows what, you could get a huge amount. You could get more than what you paid for retail if you've got any kind of old wallpaper just hanging around. That's the kind of stuff I loved. Any other type of items, even if it's only a few you know, ceiling tiles or whatever it is, paintbrushes that aren't used, stuff like that, get it out of your house. Get some money in your pocket. Enjoy the rush that is really kind of indescribable when it comes to decluttering. And uh, know that someone else is making good use of something that we gave up a long time ago. And until next week, save those pennies, pay with cash, and you all stay frugal out there. She's-